We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast, sponsored by DraftEasy.com. Nick Whalen here with Alex Brutha, uh, as I'm always on Tuesdays. It is Tuesday, January 16th. A lot to break down in the NBA. It was a pretty big Monday, which started at 11.30 a.m. our time. Um, Martin Luther King Day is always great for NBA fans, and especially for guys like us who have TVs and have all the local tv packages in the office uh so we were treated to hornets pistons early and then we moved on to raptors sixers watched the entirety of bucks wizards i will admit i watched a couple seconds a couple minutes even um not proud of it of spurs hawks oh wow Uh, and then we took a break in the afternoon and finally of course got to warriors Cavs, and rockets clippers we don't need to say much about the early games um not a whole lot to to get to from those i mean Another win for the Bulls, a pretty good win for them over a a red-hot Miami team. But all the action kind of culminated in the evening. And I think that that Rockers-Clippers game, Rockets-Clippers, I should say, didn't wrap up until like 12.15 our time. So hopefully East Coasters were able to make it until probably close to 2 a.m. by the time that all the post-game drama wrapped up there. 
Uh, but if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know all about that. We'll get to that in a second. We'll start with Cavs Warriors. We'll go chronologically. This one, I was on XM Radio this morning talking to Jeff and Chris for a little bit. And what I said was this basically played out like 90% of the other Warriors-Cavs games from the last four years yeah. where it was within two to four points for basically the first three quarters. I think Golden State uh, was up four going into the fourth. And to that point, it was a well-played game. The Cavs had played fairly well. Uh, the Warriors had shot the ball well. And the Warriors continued to do that in the fourth quarter, whereas the Cavs shot like 26% from the field. Um I mean, I know you got to watch most of this game, as did I. So what, what were your, your primary takeaways? I'm assuming you're not surprised by the 118-108 result. Uh, no, I'm not. The The Cavaliers just really looked too old like to deal with the, the Warriors who were just passing around them, especially in like the third and fourth quarters, just getting like easy, like just like layups and wide open threes. And the Cavs just really not being able to keep up and not having enough, I guess, dynamic I guess good defend all around defenders to hang with everyone on the Warriors, which is the main issue of the Cavs all season. Is you have LeBron trying to cover wing players like Durant and sometimes Thompson and Draymond <clears throat> that he just really can't do. And then if you put him at power forward, then you put Kevin Love at center and he can't. He you know there's too many liabilities. There's too many liabilities, and then you have Isaiah Thomas mm-hmm. trying to guard whoever is at point guard which could mm-hmm. be either sean livingston or steph curry which is two matchups two different mismatches for different reasons yeah as usual lebron was very good offensively in this game did have eight turnovers a lot of those were bad turnovers too and and the warriors more so than any team really have been able to to force lebron into those type of situations and and you know that's pretty inexcusable to have eight yeah. you know granted he has the ball in his hand a ton but still a lot of getting caught in the air and not having a place to go with it things like that I thought he was good defensively. Had you know two huge blocks on Curry. Had a big block on Durant. Finished with four blocks for the game. Um, And and they kind of used him as they have in the playoffs, where he wasn't on Durant primarily. You know they they kind of hit him on on Iguodala and hit him on Livingston and hit him on Jordan Bell, um, and kind of let Crowder and Jeff Green do most of the heavy lifting on D, which I think is that's kind of the blueprint. You don't want LeBron spending thirty six minutes on Kevin Durant. Um, But as you alluded to. I thought Jay Crowder did an okay job on Durant. I mean, Durant had 32 points, but a lot of them were, you know, not self-created. It was just, you know, the Cavs overhelping on Curry, leaving Durant yeah. in, in a just situation where you just don't have a choice. Yeah, I mean, a lot of fast break points. Uh, I thought it was, a, it was a pretty cheap 32, uh, in my opinion, by Durant, uh, which is kind of how he's come to make his living these days. But I think that the Cavs just have too many liabilities. You know, it was one thing when Kyrie was kind of the glaring, you know, he, he only turns it on when he wants, like, I think I think Isaiah Thomas's defense after last night was somehow oversold. I think the talk, <laughs> the talk was Isaiah is about an equal defender to Kyrie. That is not the case. No. He was horrific on defense last night. Wasn't getting back, and when he did get back, he wasn't getting to his man. Clay Thompson had so many open looks. Um, I mean, I, I was honestly shocked at how bad he was defensively um jr smith not really a, def- a, a difference maker on that end anymore no. tristan thompson has been god awful in his own right and i mean that's half the Cavs team that's half of their like <laughs> primary rotation all of a sudden you're basically just down to lebron who was good kevin love who was good but only played 27 minutes and you know that's about it and that's kind of where we are with this Cavs team right now they look more outgunned and outmanned than they ever really have i think since lebron's returned yeah, none of it seems to fit together, 
and it's hard to it's hard to like blame it on any one player in particular because every player has their own like strengths and weaknesses but none of the players weaknesses i guess like other players can't make up for the other players weaknesses as well um like we talked about like tristan thompson only played 15 minutes and he is was he earning max money i mean close to it close to max money and um it's you know yeah jr smith isn't playing well on either side he's not even playing well on offense and i i just don't know if i just don't know if isaiah they're throwing isaiah thomas out there for 30 minutes a game because they want him to just like they're doing it at the cost of games to try to get him more comfortable yeah but even if that's the case he i he went one for seven on threes i mean his legs maybe just aren't under him yet you know he's kind of hitting front rim on a lot of shots at least in the other game i saw he's hitting only front rim against toronto so i just i don't know what you do i don't know if this can really be fixed without a trade or mm-hmm. some vast like rotational differences yeah I, I just i don't know what that trade is you know deandre is the obvious one and i don't think that's really enough i think i mean i don't i just don't i don't think you can win a title with isaiah thomas in your starting five along with kevin love you know along with jr smith who's probably an average defender at this point jay crowder is probably a slightly above average defender like you you basically have in in a final series where lebron's going 100 percent, you have one good defender on the floor one pretty good defender one okay defender and two really really bad defenders against the the best team that we've ever seen you know it's just not going to work you know and and you can say you know the warriors in some ways have, have made it unfair for you know to to set the standards for other teams i guess you know nobody can put together a roster that you feel good about against this team but i i mean would this Cavs team beat the rockets would this Cavs team beat the spurs would this Cavs team would you feel good about them going up against the timberwolves right now like no i don't i don't think it's the warriors that are the issue i think i think there are six to seven better teams than the cavaliers right now yeah they don't they don't look like um <laughs> they just don't i mean on either side of the ball they just don't look like a team that can sweep um, you know any maybe past the first round mm-hmm. well um, even last year i mean that that indiana series was a sweep but it got interesting i mean all the games the first three games i want to say were all decided by like, like nine points or less i mean they were down almost 30 in that one game with lebron single-handedly let him back i mean yeah. it's not like you know they they finished they finished the eastern conference playoffs very strongly you know that boston series but it's not like they were on cruise control all of last year either no and so I, I don't know what they do really. It's just it's tough. I don't, you know it, maybe this is the year where they decide that they are going to trade Kevin Love and try to get like wing defenders, right? Because it's to me like I don't want to keep bashing on LeBron's wing defense, but the, he can't anymore. No. I don't think I think he's best at guarding stretch fours. Yeah, I mean Curry kind of had him sidestepping a couple yeah. times last night. Where it just it it looked. You know, I would. I'm not suggesting that LeBron's lost a step by any means, but I, I mean, I, you probably know what the play I was talking about. Curry just kind of hit him with almost like a half speed pullback crossover three, yeah, and LeBron took just, like an extra second <laughs> to react. It was like, wow, you, you know, usually he's able to close that. I don't know. I mean, the, they put themselves in an interesting position by getting the Brooklyn pick, right? You know, and obviously that was something they should have done, and you know, it was the right call. But they set themselves up to have to make a really, really, really difficult decision. Because I, to me, if you want to have any shot of bringing LeBron back next year, you have to get to the finals. You don't necessarily have yeah. to win it. I, obviously, you want to win it, and that's kind of the the home run. Is if you do win it, it's harder for him to leave. But I, I mean, 
I think you kind of have to do everything you can to get there right now. I 100% understand why you wouldn't want to trade the Brooklyn pick. And like you suggested, I think they're going to start looking at other options. You know, does that mean Kevin Love? Like, if you could find someone to take Isaiah Thomas, that <laughs> that to me, this team was better before Isaiah came back. And yeah, he's been playing at 70% or whatever, and he'll be better. But like I said, I don't think you can win a title with Isaiah as your starting point guard. I don't know what his value is right now. It's probably as low as it's been at any point in the last few years. So it's not like he's going to get you another all-star caliber player one for one. The one advantage that the Cavs have is, and this can kind of go both ways, they have a lot of big contracts. So in, in terms of matching money, they have guys you can send out. Yeah. The catch with that is if you want to trade Tristan Thompson's money, which matches up with a lot of other big-name players, you got you to gotta attach something yep. to sweeten that deal. And whether that's and they you know, the Brooklyn like pick, they don't, they don't have players. D'Angelo Russell. They don't yeah. have Julius Randle. You know, nobody, nobody wants Ante Zizic. Nobody right. wants Jetty Osman. You know, it's this roster was built for now, and it and every LeBron roster kind of has been, and yeah. and inherently that just does not breed flexibility. And you bring up the point of not thinking that a team can win a championship with Isaiah Thomas, and I, that's I get, that's probably why the Celtics chose to trade him. They're yes. like, well, he, Isaiah Thomas clearly thinks he's a max player. Someone will probably offer him max money, and we don't want to do that, so we're going to trade him. And that's what happened and um i i think it's maybe we're starting to understand why but it's hard to it's hard to suggest that at the same time like isaiah thomas is not good enough to be a starter that's a really like that's a hard like yeah he could be a six man like a lou williams but like are we gonna start think like do we i don't know if i'm ready to say like isaiah thomas has the same value as lou williams well the one of the issues with isaiah thomas is he doesn't understand i think where he fits in the nba you know maybe yeah and 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 in some ways that's helped him get to where he is right. <laughs> yeah. but i i would venture to guess that if the Cavs said we're going to bring you off the bench that would not go over very well no you know? it wouldn't you can try to stagger him with the bench unit but then you're he's, no matter what you're it's going to be a liability yeah you know and if he's going one of seven from three and he's getting stoned at the rim and he's you know he's getting caught in midair he got bailed out a couple times by lebron basically coming out of nowhere to grab <laughs> what what looked like maybe alley-oops but i'm not quite sure what they were just kind of thomas just too. just kind of lobbing the ball up and hoping someone gets it um the, the amount of layups by the way that he shoots where he's at like a 90 degree angle yeah. <laughs> and just kind of waits until the defender starts to descend i just yeah i mean it's it's a good roster in the grand scheme of basketball. It should be a top three roster in the East. It should probably still be the best team in the East. But last night, once again, was another affirmation that the Cavs, in terms of talent, really aren't all that close. I mean, if you line up these 30 players on the Cavs and the Warriors and did a straight-up snake draft, LeBron goes one, and the next five picks are Warriors pretty convincingly. I think so. You can make, maybe make an argument for Kevin Love if he plays as natural, like sure. four, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're seeing it a lot this year that teams that just fit together play have just as many wins as teams mm-hmm. that have arguably more talent. Like with the, like teams like Indiana or like the Pistons basically having the same record as the Bucks. Like it's teams that are and this team just doesn't fit together and to some point like apparently talent just doesn't matter as much and I don't know. I heard I think it was on the Hoop Collective podcast. Brian Windhorst was talking about maybe Kent Bazemore is available. Yeah, I, you hear that too. I didn't. I know did. About that. I'm I think Bazemore is want to keep Kent Bazemore. Right. I mean, I, I I don't I don't think he's untouchable, but 
he's one of those like what are you sending back you know you're yeah. not sending the brooklyn pick for kent Bazemore. or kevin and love. what do the hawks have yeah you're not sending kevin love do the hawks really want tristan thompson or shumpert no probably not yeah that's that's the spot that the the Cavs are in. They're going any deal that they make, you almost feel like they're going to have to overpay. Yeah, um, they just don't have much leverage, especially right now. You know, the more desperate that they get, everyone else in the league everyone knows else. that this team is in title or bust mode. Everyone knows what's at stake for the Cavs. You know, teams aren't going to line up to try to help them out. Yeah, I don't even. You look at the buyout market, which has been really kind to LeBron teams yeah, over the years. Have. I don't. I don't know who the difference maker is that's going to get bought out. You know, it's not going to be anyone, anyone that you think would really ultimately move the needle. If George Hill wasn't on some ridiculous contract, right? You know, if he if he signed like a one year ten million, then maybe. Yeah. Like this isn't. Even then, though, it's like you know, last year the Cavs around this time I think brought in Darren Williams. Yep. On a buyout that was a failure. And he was good during the regular season. I'll say wow. that horrible, god awful yeah. in the postseason. And honestly, he was—I think he was a big part of the reason that they—not that they were going to win that series, but he was a big part of the reason that they lost the first three games of that series. Um, I—I I, I don't know. I, th- I think any a buyout guy could help that bench. But last year's team, you know, this time of year, LeBron was saying, you know, I need help. I need a playmaker. And Darren Williams at the time was that guy. And that kind of seemed like, all right, this. This isn't the piece that's going to even them with the Warriors, but this is a piece that's going to help them. This team feels like it's in much more, it's in much more need of a you know of another infusion of like elite talent. I don't think a, a veteran who's going to come in and give you twenty minutes off the bench is really all this team needs. They can't just patch things up. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I mean, you're just it's it's like to me, Toronto is a decidedly better team right now, um, which I would not have said even like a month and a half ago and so yeah i don't know if you you need to like swap elite talent for just different elite talent or trade the brooklyn pick mm-hmm. or maybe you try to send someone to like miami for all their players right you know and just try to get like a more different more balanced team yeah like, i i don't know yeah i mean it's and the issue is that they're they don't have that andrew wiggins type you know we kind of talked about this with minnesota a while back is like you know should they does Wiggins fit with Butler? Should they flip Wiggins? Like, there are teams out there that even even as relatively to relative to expectations, disappointing that Wiggins has been. I would bet there are a lot of teams out there that would love to be the team. You know, like the Nets, kind of with D'Angelo Russell. Like, yeah. we'll be the team that gives him another shot. Yep. Nobody on the Cavs is like that. You know, Kevin Love is too old for that. Um, Jay Crowder, I think, has been exposed big time this year. Jr. is too old. Isaiah's banged up and also too old. You know, they, they don't have that. What all their key players are are past their prime to the point where it's going to be a diminishing return no matter what you're bringing back. Yeah, and then yeah, all those players you would basically have to trade to other contenders more or less. Like are the only people who want to take 29 mm-hmm. year old Kevin Love is another contender. Yep. Uh, Tristan Thompson's contract is absurd, and he's not like I don't know if he's like a difference maker for most no. teams in the league, and he's not. He's not especially young. He's 26. If I were the Cavs, I'd rather have Epe Udo right now. I'm not kidding. I really would for the money and everything. Like all things considered, like Epe Udo's been a better player. Dwayne Dedman makes six million dollars. Like stuff like that. That you know, the Cavs really, really hamstrung themselves, and LeBron is a big reason for this. After winning that title, they kind of went on like a keep the band back you know keep the band together spending binge the opposite basically the because lebron right here. basically because lebron told them to like yeah jr smith you know you held out into the season and ended up or tristan thompson i mean jr got a big deal tristan got a big deal 
Shumpert's still on a big deal. Like all of these guys, at the time they signed it, you just, you, of course we're going to be in this situation. You're like, yeah. Who wouldn't have seen this coming? Those guys were already declining at the time. And, you know, now they're, they're even more burdened salary-wise. I think the other thing that hurts them in terms of possible trades is the amount of parity, you know, from spots like 5 through 12 in both conferences. Um, there, aren't, there just aren't that many teams. The trade deadline is coming up, and there aren't that many teams that you can say are definitively out of it. You know, yeah. I mean, the, there's, a, there's a cutoff after L.A. in the West. The Clippers are 22 and 21. They're currently tied with Denver for the eight. There's a five-game gap between them uh, and Utah. And then after Utah, you know, you get Phoenix, the Lakers, Mavs, Grizzlies, Kings. Like, those five are probably out of it. But you got nine teams for sure in the West that still are very much in the mix. And in the East, I mean, Charlotte is the 11th seed right now, and they were a team that had playoff expectations. They're only five games out. The way Chicago's playing, they're going to kind of have a choice to make at some point. They just got Levine back. You know, not that they're, you know, quote unquote, going for it for the Bulls is like maybe winning, maybe we though. get the eighth. Yeah, but it's like with the Bulls, and I was I was talking to one of our our former office mates uh, about this. She's a Bulls fan earlier this morning, and she was like, "Yeah, I don't I don't want them to win, but who do you sit? You know, like yeah. who, you, they don't have." It's not like veterans are winning these games for them. You're not going to sit Zach Levine down the stretch. No, You're not going to sit Lopez. Chris Dunn. Yeah, Robin and Lopez like single handedly, and they have been games. like they've been like low key scaling back Robin Lopez's minutes, and that's coincided with them winning. So I don't know what the plan is there. I mean, so basically you're just whittling it down to like eight possible teams, and of those eight teams, Phoenix isn't trading Devin Booker. You don't really want anyone else on that roster. TJ Warren. Well, they just signed. Yeah. They probably want to keep. Him. Yeah, and like He's, I don't think the Cavs want TJ Warren. He can't shoot threes. Lakers have nobody, at least that that would fit in with this Cavs team. Yeah, Dallas is you know they have nobody. West Matthews maybe that that guy's not moving the needle. Memphis and Marcus All is interesting, but you know, that, I just he's too I old. Mean, I like I like the Gasol theory. I just don't know unless like they the Grizzlies want Tristan Thompson. I don't know how the money works or Kevin Love. I think in like, theory that would work. Um, that, I mean that could you do like Tristan in the Cavs own pick? That's the other wild card here is like that pick could end up being not great, but early 20s. You could, yeah, you could try something big, try to get Mike Conley too. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> IT and Thompson for Mike Conley is interesting. <laughs> Mike Conley and Marcus All. Yeah. yeah. And that'd be something. I'd, I would enjoy yeah. that, I think. I mean, bottom line is there's just not that many. It's, the, the, the path is pretty narrow. Uh, it's pretty bleak right now for it the would, Cavaliers. It would probably take like some, you know, I, this could end up being like a three or a four team trade scenario mm-hmm. if something relatively meaningful <laughs> goes down, which I'm not. I'm not confident that it will. But the trade deadline's creeping up like pretty mm-hmm. fast. Was it? Is it two weeks away at this point? That's a good question. Uh, as uh, there's a reason I I vaguely referenced it earlier because I don't yeah, know what it is off the top of my head. February eighth. February eighth. Okay. Yeah. So just a few weeks. We know how frustrating it can be to play in DFS tournaments only to be dominated week in and week out by sharks like Alex and pro DFS players. Did you know that 91% of the money in these tournaments is won by 1% of the players? Well, now, finally, we found a new DFS game where you actually have a chance to win. With DraftEasy.com's Rapid Fire game, all you do is pick which player in five two-player matchups you think will score the most fantasy points. Get four out of the five picks right, you triple your money. It's that easy. No salary caps, no math, no competition, just you against the house. Sign up at drafteasy.com with promo code ROTOWIRE, R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E. 
That'll get you a free shot at $50. And for Rotowire users, if you get at least one pick right, you get $20 for free. And for the month of January, Draft Easy has a crazy, that's uh, on the read here, it's in all caps, crazy deposit match bonus with no drip up to $100. Go now, DraftEasy.com, fantasy sports made easy. All right, let's talk uh, Rockets Clippers. Okay. So this one, I didn't watch the first half of this. I know you did watch the first half. Yeah. I watched the second half and I ended up you know, being up super late, kind of following the aftermath of this one, but... It seemed like it seemed like it was a, a normal game to begin with. Uh, Chris Paul got a nice tribute video in the first quarter, which was obviously well deserved. I didn't really think there would be bad blood here at all. I mean, you knew Chris Paul wasn't exactly the easiest guy to work with. You know, Blake Griffin. You know, I don't think I think they're very much different. And you know, Blake Griffin's not fiery like Chris Paul, but there were very you knew there were differences between those two. And, you know, I was kind of in and out, not really paying all that much attention until the fourth quarter. And then it turned into basically like on the verge of like a brawl breaking out for like the last seven minutes of play. Blake Griffin's tights got completely torn. He (laughs) whipped a ball like 100 miles an hour off Eric Gordon's back. Blake bumped Mike D'Antoni. And then the camera caught D'Antoni very clearly uh, accosting Griffin with a certain expletive. And somehow all of this ended up leading back to Austin Rivers. And, yeah. you know, by now you know what happened post-game. One, the NBA is great, and you're not going to get this in any other league. Um, two, I Chris Paul is in a weird spot. He comes out looking kind of bad here, I think. As he, the president of the as, players. That's the, yeah. that's the number one thing, as the Players Association president. He kind of got punked by his own his old team <laughs> really in some did. way. That was the other the other line here is like the Clippers convincingly won this game. Chris Paul played well, but you could see at the end, yeah, it was it reminded me a little bit of the the KD Russ games, the last two that we've yeah. seen, where nobody punched anybody, but throughout the game, you knew tensions were there. You know, Griffin and Ariza were going way out of their way to bump into each other. <laughs> Chris Paul was giving Griffin little shoves, just kind of the KD Cantor Westbrook type mm-hmm. of dynamic. Um. It was it was bizarre, and I guess I just didn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say this was the cleanest exit, but I thought Chris Paul, at least publicly, you know, it, it was spun that oh, he, how nice of Chris Paul to make this a sign and trade right. rather than just walking. And I think the other part of that that no one thought about is like Chris Paul basically got three guys traded from the Rockets so he could go there. Yeah, and maybe we should have thought more about what that meant. Yeah, I mean, I, I think half these half the guys in these rosters have played for the other team like eric mm-hmm. gordon also a former clipper right um bamute also a former clipper you have um lou williams who played for the rockets lou, lou williams has played for every western lou williams, team. Yeah. that's a that's a good point um, um but so and you know these are a lot of guys who have essentially been outcasted by the other team uh on the other side of the ball and so have are probably you know upset about that to some extent or at least use it as motivation and um yeah i think there's you know a lot of tension between the teams just because the clippers are overachieving relative to who they've been playing lately they're 22 and 21 now and they've been using a healthy dose of tyrone wallace yeah, that was, that's the name Juwan i was hoping you were gonna drop and hey, don't um, don't talk about Juwan evans like that but yeah, tyrone wallace i've, tyrone I've Wa- never heard of that man right it, that, and neither had that i sounds like a Chappelle show character <laughs> so um yeah and you know i i think now the Rockets haven't been playing up to expectation with James Hargan out. And you look at kind of the two teams and, you know, you ask yourself, well, should a James Hardenless team 
be decidedly better than a like Chris Paulus or like there's a bunch of you know DeAndre Jordan's not playing for the Clippers like which team is theoretically right. better it's the team with well Chris the Rockets Paul. are unde- are undefeated when Capella Harden and Chris Paul all play right that, that means something that means something but when Harden's out and the rest of the team is essentially yep. healthy compared to what the Clippers are dealing with it feels like the, the yep. Rockets should without question just destroy right. the Clippers that just this feels like one of those games where you wish you were sitting, and I guess I could say this for literally any NBA game, but wish you were sitting courtside by the bench yeah. because the cameras caught a lot of it, but I'm not a professional lip reader. No. And there was one Only sequence amateur. in particular. With the game had been decided. I think Lou Will you know, hit one of his many dagger threes with like two minutes left and... You know, the next possession down, Chris Paul like dribbled for 18 seconds and missed a, a pull-up <laughs> three. And the I mean, the Clippers bench jumped up and celebrated and was pointing at Paul and was <laughs> shouting at, you know, I mean, this is Patrick Beverly, who oh, yeah. didn't play in this game. Austin Rivers didn't play in this game, are leading this. And I think that's what really, what really got to Chris Paul is, you know, it, basically it seemed like these guys who, in the public eye at least, you know, are, are his, his teammates and his confidants. It makes you wonder over the last couple of years, like what they didn't seem like they were overly fond uh, of Chris Paul. Yeah, I've I had read some things. I think maybe it was like the year before the Chris Paul trade. I guess last year that the Clippers, I think to some extent, or at least Chris Paul, along with the other teammates, kind of view each other as coworkers, like rather than like friends and like Mm -hmm. you know all that sort of thing where there's just kind of like, well, I work with this person and like, I, we have yeah. disagreements, but like off the court, we don't really hang out that much. Like, and so I think that's, that's tough. I think that can work in a lot of situations, but I don't know if that can work when the point guard is the highest, like the most ball dominant right. guy. And the shooting guard is the coach's son. And the like, there were a lot, there were a lot of things <laughs> going, of on. And, going on. Right. And the other, the other star is constantly hurt. And when he's not hurt, Chris Paul's hurt. Yeah. And, you know, your coach is one of the biggest names and you're in L.A. Um, I mean, Paul Pierce basically said exactly what you just did on the jump when we were watching out in the office earlier today. You know, it's, he was he was in this situation last year. He saw it firsthand and, you know, you could tell he was kind of holding back. But his implication was this isn't all that surprising. You right. Know? And if you were there, you could understand how this went. Yeah. I mean, it's I think. I think playing with Chris Paul is probably pretty similar to playing with LeBron in some ways. You know, the big story two days ago was LeBron is shouting at everyone in the huddle as he's, you know, letting guys go by him on D, which happens every night. Right. I think Chris Paul is probably the same way. I think there's in some ways like a lack of accountability um, that's perceived, you know, and I think the argument is like these guys are so good that they can't be, you know, they've almost earned the right to take possessions off. They've earned the right to be the guy barking in the huddle. Yeah, in theory, that sounds great. But when you're the guy getting yelled at, you know, good luck kind of remembering that. Yeah, um, it's that's just really tough. And yeah, this the situation would be, I think, a lot different if, you know, if there wasn't, um, I guess, if if Chris Paul wasn't the guy at the center of it, and the situation had been, you know, like if if you don't get along, if you view like I don't know. Um, PJ Tucker is like a coworker rather than like your teammate and you have disagreements with him. That's a lot less impactful to the team and mm-hmm. to like then the, when you have like a quote unquote revenge game, then if it's Chris Paul, the guy who had, if he had stayed and maybe getting his number retired, someone brought that up. Um, I heard he should, right. You know, on court accomplishments alone, much worse players have had their numbers retired. I, yeah. But I don't think the Clippers have any numbers retired. 
And so to have a number, that's on that. that well, that, that's true. But to do that to a guy, you know, who had, right. who had played, and I'm, you know, I I heard someone talking about this. Maybe it was Zach Lowe, but um, it's I don't know. It's this is a really interesting situation for it is for the clip for not as much for the Rockets because they're going to have their season. They're going to get to the playoffs. They're going to do really well, I assume. But the Clippers are trying to sneak into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And there was talk, like, even we were talking on this podcast like a month and a half, two months ago, like, this team should just blow it up. There's right. no hope. Like, why even bother? And now they're they're doing better than a lot of mm-hmm. other teams who have more talent. So, Yeah, I, oh, I think, I mean, the Clippers won the basketball game, which is kind of lost in all this. Right. I, it, I wouldn't say this is a turning point for them, but, you know, they won the game and they, they kind of won – you know the the battle and you know the, whatever this is this the first or second game they played each other second right i think they played once in I houston i could be wrong about that either way i know they play at least two more times and the next one is at the end of february so mark okay. mark your calendar for that but i mean if, if you're the rockets like things were already going a little bit south you know they were the talk before christmas was is this team the team that could really challenge golden state they immediately lost five straight harden gets hurt you know now this is happening um like things are not quite as rosy as they were for the rockets um and that's coincided with the spurs just still being the spurs with even with all their injuries and minnesota you know now over the last couple of weeks looking like a very very legitimate team out west you know i i don't basically what i'm saying is i don't know if we can just pencil in warriors rockets for the west finals i would that's the that's the matchup i would still bet on and i think once harden's back we'll remember how good this team is um but there are other good teams out west, and and the Rockets are still very much on a tier below Golden State to me. Yeah, um, I I definitely agree with that. And yeah, let me Memphis and or not Memphis, uh, Minnesota and San Antonio are obviously like really interesting um, for different reasons. Like Minnesota playing above expectations, I think considering like their bench, especially. Not that that matters as much in a Tom Thibodeau team, but Tyus Jones like has been had filled in really well. While Jeff Teague was out, and the Spurs mm-hmm. keep doing what the Spurs do, Oklahoma City still has their struggles. Um, the Kings were keeping the game competitive for a while last night, um, and so yeah, I I don't know if you necessarily pencil the Rockets in. I think you know, assuming everyone's healthy, I do, but they have kind of the same problem. Or you know, Mike D'Antoni doesn't really play his backups that much, and they don't really have much as far as backup so and and this is what we're talking about if they suffer a significant injury that really really hurts them compared to some other teams who do a mm-hmm. lot better uh who are who are a lot deeper teams um who are lower in the standings like portland right. or something but and well that's the consequence of building a, a good roster team, you know there's yeah. there's only really one team that has the benefit of having the best starting five in the league and then having a really deep bench you know no one else can really pull that off um but those are two teams, you know, you talk about buyouts, you know, if, if Minnesota could add, you know, Miritich, which would have to be in a trade, but a player like that, um, you know, Baysmore, like you mentioned, which I, I thought that was an odd inclusion by Windhorse, but I think it he was, was just kind of looking at, um, the bad he's just teams. looking at defensive. I think he mentioned he was like top five in defensive RPM oh, yeah, and stuff sure. like that. And yeah, I mean, he, I think Baysmore in terms of availability, you know, you kind of have to, there's a lot of constraints there, but yeah, Minnesota, if they add a piece, um, if they get like a real sixth man, other than like anyone gorgie jang playing right. 20 minutes and well they don't have they don't have any like wings right now <laughs> no. Shabazz muhammad hasn't played in, play. hasn't played in like two months 
Bielitsa is hurt, and you know, since he's come back, he's kind of been like twelve minutes a night yeah. type of thing. It doesn't really seem like Tibbs. He kind of plays him only because he has to. Right, right. Like they could use they could use anybody. It's it's odd to me that they haven't been more proactive with the G League. You know, I mean, so many teams this year have you know not only been bringing guys in and out, but have been using them in the rotation. And yeah. a lot of that is due to injuries. But a team like Minnesota, you know, I mean, they need the depth. At some point, they're going to need it, and. We can cry about Tibbs throwing these guys out there for 40 minutes a night each game. That's fine. And, you know, if those guys are cool with it, which in my, my opinion on that real quickly, by the way, is if you're playing NBA basketball, I just don't know that the difference between like 36 minutes and 39 minutes. Yeah. You know, like if, you, if it's your choice and the coach says, totally up to you, do you want to play or not? You're going to want to play those three extra minutes, right? Right. That said, I know J.J. Redick on his pod a couple weeks ago mentioned that at this point in his career, he's now, what, 33, 34, something like that? I think so. That he has, like, a strict minutes limit. He's like, I can tell the difference between 29 and 31, which I thought was really interesting. But for someone like Andrew Wiggins or someone like Carl Towns, I don't think you're probably quite there yet. But as you said before, if there's an injury on that team to any of those core guys, you're going from a really, really good player to a replacement guy who, you know, might be Cole Aldridge, you know, someone who hasn't who plays every few games. Yeah, they have Justin Patton sitting in the D League, but yeah, I, I mean, just he just you know, got he's healthy. seventeen minutes. Yeah, he's only played. Well, he's played thirteen G League games apparently. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I guess the the minutes count thing is interesting. I know in baseball, I think they like there's some significant difference between your like pitching taking like ninety pitches and like hundred and ten pitches. Yeah. And I don't want to start comparing like. You know, throwing to playing basketball, the minutes and number right. of throws, that's completely different. Such but a repetitive like, exercise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's something to be said maybe about, I don't think like two or three minutes, maybe for guys like JJ Reddick's a big difference. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. I can't, I can't really. I, so I've never played moved. any minutes in an NBA game, I, yeah, let alone I, I too 38 never. minutes. Exactly. So I don't, I don't really know how to unpack that one. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it, it's just, it's, it's interesting how teams can, do well in different ways you see the miami succeeding by having no stars and just having a super deep bench and a great coach and you see other teams um like cleveland who are super top heavy and i get last year is probably a better example who a lot of people don't even consider right. tyloo a coach and they just play ext- extremely well mm-hmm. but something that was brought up on the the ringer pod earlier today uh, with chris ryan and kevin o'connor was you know what? What is what are the odds that the Cavs? Some of this has to do with Ty Lue. You know, like we know LeBron's connection to Fisdale. That's kind of lingering out there. You know, like is that is that on the table as one of the, you know if, if the roster can't be traded, you know, can't be adjusted to get all that much better? Can they do anything with the coaching staff? I don't see why not. It doesn't seem though that with LeBron coach or with LeBron teams, the coaching staff has really mattered all that much. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, they fired David Blatt when they were in first place. True, exactly. You know, like, you don't make that move if you feel like the coach is, you know, having that much of an impact on what you're doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, it wouldn't, like, if you, but the thing is, if you told me, like, if we walked out of this studio right now and it was like, oh, Ty Lue just got fired and David Fisdale's coaching the Cavs, would be like, oh, okay. Right, exactly. I think that's a really good way to put it, actually. <laughs> like, oh, okay, this makes sense. It wouldn't be, nothing surprising with this team. Right. You know? Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Kev, oh, Kevin Love just got traded for whoever right. would be like, well, okay, I, I guess. How would you rank the Cavs 
assets, their current assets in terms of like most likely to be traded, like, or like how you'd be least surprised if player X or pick X is traded. It's it's funny I keep mentioning Kevin Love, but I would be I would be a little surprised if they traded him, considering like his age. Like he to me is like I don't know who you would trade him to. I think he has the highest value theoretically. I just don't know. Like unless you, it it would be one of those trades. I think the destination would be the, the surprising part. Like if he ended up in like Portland or something, I'd be like, that's who even would have guessed that. Well, I mean, going back to Windhorse, McCollum was a name that he Mc- mentioned. Yeah, you and, trade McCollum for love or something like right. that. Right. I don't think you're getting McCollum unless you you know it's a Brooklyn pick enough for him. He's a player that I think I would be willing to deal that pick for personally. Yeah, I don't oh, know how I the would, Caps feel I would about trade that. The Brooklyn, I think I would trade the Brooklyn pick for CJ McCollum. It's just, would you accept the Brooklyn pick if you're, if, the, if you're Portland? I yeah. would probably want And it'd have to be more, too. too, to match money. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, would you do the Brooklyn pick and love? Is the Brooklyn pick and, you know, some combination of lesser players? I don't, like, to me, if I was Portland, I'd be pretty disappointed with that, especially since they're in the midst of, you know, making the playoffs again, even though that probably means another first-round exit. That's still something. Yeah, I mean, the... the Portland situation is tough because their roster, they have too much money invested in too many average players. Mm-hmm. They kind of have like all the money they have in Evan Turner and um, someone else. I don't know if it's Aminu or Harkless that I feel like is overpaid. I think Aminu is actually on a really good deal right okay. now. It's it must Harkless. be Harkless. So that's a tough situation there. And then they have to also be convinced that this the dual backcourt doesn't inherently work with like Nurkic. And I don't know. I I re- that's a really tough one because they're clearly talented so mm-hmm. but i mean i would if you know if cleveland called me and was like we'll give you brooklyn's eighth pick and or not the eighth pick which could be the eighth pick, yeah brooklyn's pick and kevin love for cj mccollum i would i would think about it um yeah i think you think about it i mean i think even if you just said love for mccollum you have to think about it I, if i'm portland I, I still wouldn't do that deal but kevin loves enough of a name that you're not just hanging up the phone yeah and so I don't I think I think love is still their most tradable asset yep. because you can you mentioned trading Thomas but he's still his deal that he could just walk. That's um, a that's a bad look for them too. That'd be a, and at some point at some point you just kind of have to not worry about that. I mean Boston certainly didn't worry about it and look no. where they are. But, you know, trading a guy you're basically pulling the plug after three and a half games. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'm not encouraged, but that's you know, that that things like that are remembered by players and by agents and around the league and things like that. All right, well, that's enough Cavs talk. That I mean, like I said, last night played out about exactly as I expected it. There's now there are now there are reports out of Boston of all places that LeBron and Love and Wade went to the media um, anonymously, oh, yeah. and yet somehow we have names and complained about Isaiah's defense. Um, which, if they did, good for them because they're right. But that's not, that's not <laughs> going to help secret, anything. Yeah, yeah I don't like. I think we all kind of saw that one coming. Um, any other teams that you want to hit on before we wrap up? Any any non Cavs, non Warriors, non Rockets, non Clippers? <laughs> um, like a Lance Stevenson update to get to? No, I mean, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, Utah continues to free fall and everything yeah. like that. I, I don't know. Just looking, I'm just looking at the standings. Nothing's. Yeah, Rodney Hood was getting booed at home last night. Actually, yeah, I forgot about that. That might be. That's kind of interesting to me. Do I you mean, have context behind that? I saw the Donovan Mitchell tweet. But I don't like. I looked at the box score. And like Rodney Hood just had like a, a decent game. He was like six of fourteen. You know, so I, I expected to look, and he was like zero of twenty from the field. He's, he's just not. He's playing. I mean, if you look at his stats, he's having. Uh, he's scoring more points, but efficiency wise, it's the same. He's averaging like less rebounds. Like he's yeah. just. He just didn't get any better, seemingly, and maybe that's. I don't know. Like 
because I think us, like what we deal with in fantasy, we expected Rodney Hood to have some like crazy, you know, we like maybe he'll average yeah. 18, 19 points a game. And so I, I guess the people in Utah thought that if they're Rodney mad that his rebounding has dropped. A they're little mad bit. that his rebounding has dropped and that his efficiency is the same despite yeah, all the I, attention being him on, <laughs> on him and Donovan Mitchell. Right. Ricky Rubio can't shoot. Yeah, that was really odd to me. You know, I mean, that would be like you go to a Bucks game and, you know, 20 games in, Jabari Parker's just like been pretty good. Like, are you booing him <laughs> when he gets the ball? Like, in what context was he even being booed? Like I don't booing know. Tony Snell for going, yeah, like, right. for going two for six <laughs> yeah, or something. It's like, what were your expectations here? <laughs> uh, yeah, very bizarre. Uh, I, don't, I don't really have anything else. No. Um, oh, the Kings are they're going to start resting veterans. Which is a really Shocking. weird, like, after a game, Jaeger was like, yep, now's this the time. Is, now is the time. We're, we we're, I think we're out of it now. We're, I think we're officially out. Uh, well, now that they're officially at the bottom of the West, because I think Memphis was there for a while, mm. but now Sacramento's decidedly at the bottom. Yep. That uh, they had to, they pulled a plug on that. So I guess more Justin Jackson, less Vince Carter, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know how that's going to sit with Vince. <laughs> Did you see there is a still uh, a still last night? Russ got kicked out of a game against the Kings yeah. last night, and they showed like a shot of the bench as Russ is, Russ is complaining to the refs, and it was George Hill, Garrett Temple, and Vince Carter sitting next to each other. Hill and Temple are looking at the ref in just like kind of disbelief, and Vince Carter just has this like old man scowl. Like, I can't believe this. <laughs> I can't believe this that. boy is talking to the refs like this. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think he probably money wise. I'm sure he doesn't regret going to Sacramento. I'm sure but I don't know. Forget going to Sacramento money wise. They live in California. Like there needs know. to be a thirty for thirty, at least one of those thirty for thirty shorts on how in the hell or not even how like what was going on in those meetings this summer with George Hill, with Zach Randolph, with Vince Carter. Like what? What did they say to convince these guys? Or did like did the Kings genuinely think that they were going to compete this year? I just like to me I just wonder if it's like when the Lakers dropped a bunch of money on Bogut and they're like well okay if we take a chance on this guy and then he plays really well then we can trade him for more young assets so I don't know if the Kings were like okay let's sign these guys and then they're gonna like we'll eventually just trade them for more young assets but I they did it in such an extreme way they're real contracts these aren't these weren't like one year with a second year right. player option for ten million dollars. Yep, like these were real legitimate contracts. Well, yeah, it's the same thing we said with the Cavs, where like the Lakers have, you know, in some ways, in like a weird, distorted way, it's sometimes good to have a big contract because you can match it with another big contract, presumably yeah. for a better player. But no one's going to trade Luol Deng straight up for Demarcus Cousins. You know, you have no. like the Lakers somehow like forgot that they would have to give up other things to get off of these contracts. This is like last year when the Nets signed Bojan, like Bojan Bogdanovic for a deal. And it's like, why even sign him? Your team is horrible. But then they ended up flipping him to the Wizards for a first round pick. Yeah. And so you can do that when you're a bad team. You can sign a veteran for one year and then have him play really well and then just right. be like, oh, here's two second round picks or whatever. For That's him. actually that a works. very smart thing to do. Yes. Right. Like there's no, there's very, very little culpability on your end you yeah know, if it works out well then you get one good year of a guy and you see what happens you and know? if it doesn't work out then, then well what are you suck anyway so yeah the, i thought that was it, theoretically it feels like that's what the kings were doing but once again these were like three year deals or so, mm-hmm. two year with a with a one-year player option and they were for a lot of money it's yeah. not super easy to move yeah and yeah it's, it's not like anyone's dying to get to sacramento yeah that was I mean, not that we should be surprised at any I, at I, any of this. I guess maybe they wanted veterans who were more than just like bench, 
you know, trapped on the bench. Like they wanted veterans right. on the court and in practice who were good. Yes, and like, there is something to be said for that. You I know, so having those, you know, because the Kings, maybe more so than any team, haven't had those presences. Right. But in my opinion, and you know, I've not, I've again, I should clarify, I've not been on an NBA roster. It seems <laughs> to yet. me that you can, that most teams get that from guys who aren't like, that don't need to play 30 minutes a like night. Amir Johnson. Yes, right. Like you don't <laughs> have to go get Zach Randolph and like I'll probably promise him whatever role he's been playing, you know, like it just doesn't make sense. Like you can, you can get those guys, just sign them to the veterans minimum. Don't sign. 37 year old players or one to three year, year deals. For, they signed, like the 76ers signed Reddick. Was that one year? Like, Who are they bidding against dollars? for any of these guys? Yeah. Because yeah. the money is, like I've said this before, the money is so stupid that you can right. just offer someone a year for 20 and it, me- it means nothing to you yes. as a team. You would, ra- I, you would rather have JJ Reddick at what's well, probably an overpay for one year than, yeah. than paying someone market value for three years when they're yep. in their mid 30s. You know, it just. Yeah, it's got to be frustrating to be a Kings fan. It does. Actually, there is something that we've we've we said there was nothing to bring up and then we kept talking, but like the Pelicans have an interesting situation too with DeMarcus Cousins yep. and Anthony Davis and whether or not because it's it's one of the situations well, if you keep DeMarcus Cousins, then you kind of almost have to give him the money. And if you trade who wants to trade for DeMarcus Cousins on a half-year rental and <laughs> they're still screwed with contracts it's like do you try to i don't i don't see them tricking anthony davis and doing this weird pivot Mm -hmm. off of him to get actual value and then keeping cousins or dumping both of that like right like if you re-sign cousins you can't then (coughs) excuse me you can't then turn around and flip davis right like i don't think cousins signs there unless he's under the impression (laughs) that davis is there although the money for cousins might just be enough that he doesn't care I don't know. That's not that's not like an indictment on him. That's just you know to most me, players would do that. Yeah, I mean, to me, if you're if they would consider trading Anthony Davis, you would just flip both of them and just re hit the reset button. But then you also have Drew Holiday. To, like they're in a very odd. They're they're kind of headed towards like I, I want to say they're heading towards NBA purgatory while they have two superstars. But that's right now, and this is. Like they're twenty, they're twenty two and twenty right now, mm-hmm. which is basically the same per- win percentage as they had after they got Cousins last year. Right. So it's kind of like this is who this is the team, mm-hmm. and so they, now they just have to then they just sign Cousins and then they would have to literally spend the next like two or three years waiting for their other bad contracts to just expire. Right. And that's kind of what they've been doing with it. Feels like with Ashik, you know, it's like every yeah. time you check, it's like how does he still have four years left? Are these are these years <laughs> even resetting at all? Um, we'll end on this, I guess. So the, the cousins trade was made the night of the all-star game last year. So roughly 11 months ago. And at the time, I feel like we kind of felt the same way about it then as we do now, you know, no one, it was never like, wow, well, this is going to work perfectly, but it also wasn't, this is going to be a disaster. You know, no one really knew in retrospect, would you say that this trade has been a win for the Pelicans overall? I still I still feel like doing it was the right decision. So, like, I'm not sure they would have made any more or less pro. Like, they would have Buggy healed instead, which maybe I, I'm not really sure. To me, it's a win. I mean, I think they probably expected to be better wins losses, but you're going into this summer with uh, a tough problem in Demarcus Cousins, but a good problem to have. Yeah, like, wouldn't you rather like have this? You, you at least can get something for him if that's the course of action you choose to take. Whereas you're basically in the same situation you are now, probably a worse record, 
and instead of Demarcus Cousins, you have Buddy Heald. You know, like I think just in terms of like pure assets. Yeah. Even if you don't end up making the playoffs or don't end up winning a playoff series, just the fact that you now have the asset of Demarcus Cousins to control. Uh, that's worth something and you can like you can try like you could try a different coach you can try like they have rondo that's a thing that's happening that yeah, sometimes uh, sure. is great and sometimes looks horrible um and you can just try to trade other pieces like i yeah if you have anthony davis and demarcus cousins and you're locked up in that for four or five years that's like you mentioned that's a good problem to have having two all nba players right. on your roster could be worse and, and having one of the most unique team builds mm-hmm um in the league that's art that actually i mean if they if they lock up the eighth seed i think them and golden state will be interesting this year i think it's a sweep but it's a competitive sweep yeah just because they're built like exact opposite right and so i think trying to see how the warriors deal with cousins Mm -hmm. and davis for seven like not seven games you know (laughs) four games four or five games um would be Mm -hmm. a lot of fun i think the warriors have made it easier to for teams to look like they're failing too you know it's a lot harder if you're the pelicans or the nuggets or the clippers the last couple years like nobody goes into unless you're i don't know maybe this year's rockets or the Cavs last couple years like no one goes into the playoffs feeling good about themselves you know like everybody from the two seed through the eight seed is just basically praying that there's an injury to the warriors and like that's what it's measured against like there's there's the the predictor the unpredictability of the playoffs has kind of been lost you know like and let you have to really really put together a really good roster and have everything break your way in terms of guys overperforming not having injuries to even feel remotely good about your chances to win your conference if you're in the west you know and i think i think that just like casts a shadow on teams like new orleans where if you took this new orleans team and you know put them in the west it, 3 years ago 4 years ago and you know you're demarcus cousins anthony davis you could be like look we're the seven seed but we don't think this two seed mavericks team is all no. that good you know like, we think we can take tyson chandler and sean Stevens. you know like that type of thing yeah. there's just not there's not that hope of an upset i guess to me anymore because the top team is so so good that you can put together a pretty good roster like this new orleans team in another era or a non-warriors era is a pretty good team but you just you just know you, no matter what no matter how well you play it's just not going to be enough yeah i think you are just kind of hoping you play you just wait until the western conference finals to play the warriors the yeah. sooner you play the warriors is the sooner you lose you at least right. want to be <laughs> you just want to delay that you want to position yourself to lose as late as possible basically. yes exactly yeah. it's yeah you just delay in the inevitable um okay that'll wrap it up uh as always we are sponsored well not as always as of right now we are sponsored by DraftEasy.com. Uh, we also have Rotowire NBA Slack, uh, which is something that Andrew Laird, if you're familiar with our site, you might know that name. He does a ton of our soccer content. He started a kind of just a, a chat room, basically, on Slack, which most of you are probably familiar with, um, just for you know people that, in his case, enjoy soccer to talk about soccer and mostly fantasy-related since it's, of course, affiliated with Rotowire. Uh, we did the same for NBA. Andrew was was really great about getting that set up over the last couple of weeks, and you know we've we've started to see that grow. So if you want to join that, um, if you want to talk hoops with us and talk hoops with other RotoWire subscribers throughout the day, uh, let us know either on Twitter, uh, send an email 
to support at rotowire.com. It's open only to Rotowire subscribers, um, which is why we can't just you know tell you to go to X link and sign up. So uh, support at rotowire.com again is the easiest way to do that. I will be back with James on Thursday. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.